Hello and welcome to InspireMeToday.com. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. Yet just for a moment, I want you to think back to when you were a child. Do you remember how everything seemed to be exciting and anything was possible? I mean, think about it. Just wrapping a sheet over your shoulders or grabbing a blanket off the couch and you were instantly turned into Superman or Wonder Woman. Sitting on a log out in the woods, you were Mario Andretti racing around the track at the Indy 500 or swinging from a rope. You were an acrobat in Cirque du Soleil because anything was possible. We all believe that. And yet, when you grew up, somehow we seem to forget what is possible. Perhaps you got realistic and pushed your dreams aside and replaced them with the pursuit of what your mature mind now deemed to be possible. But what if... I mean, think about it. Just what if that seven-year-old had it right and all things really were possible? Today's guest is one who believes in possibility. She is a passionate advocate of mind-body medicine who enjoys a flourishing career as a speaker, teacher, and media spokesperson. She's also a medical doctor with clinical success in treating patients who have triumphed over serious medical conditions and destructive emotional patterns. Her name is Dr. Eva Selhub, and she's here today to remind us that anything is possible. Dr. Eva, I am so honored to welcome you once again to InspireMeTodayRadio.com. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our conversation. It's always They're always so great and inspiring for me. As I inspire others, you inspire me in these conversations. So oh, that's very sweet I'm of you. Well, you were one that over the years, I mean, we've now had six and a half years of Inspire Me Today. And you were one that was a very special one initially as an interview for me, and that's why I invited you back again. So I know a lot has happened since we talked last, but go back and just give a little bit, if you would, a little of your history and your story of how you got to be who you are, doing what you're doing in the world, and then we'll jump into your projects and your books and the other things that you're working on. But just for those that don't yet know the amazing woman, Dr. Eva Selhub, Mm. fill us in on some of the details. Well, I, you know, I, I actually, you know, love telling this story because it 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 um it inspires me to remember it. You know, I think we all sort of get caught up in the uh, in the everyday of our lives and either wanting more or not sure what we want and that sort of thing, not realizing how far we've come. And uh, and I think it's an important thing to do every now and then to look back and say, whoa. You know, where was I a couple of years ago? And, and we don't sometimes realize how much we've grown and how much we've learned until we've actually looked back. So I actually do enjoy going back and looking at where I where I started, which, you know, was in general medicine. I was doing a general medicine residency. You know, my plan was to follow that clear-cut Western allopathic route and do a fellowship in pulmonary medicine and work in the intensive care units. And in my second year of my residency, I was uh, stuck with a uh, needle that had HIV on it, and I was put on a cocktail of medications to prevent the conversion to HIV. And that experience was sort of, you know, I think everyone usually says that they have a, an experience that wakes them up, and that one really woke me up to a lot of different things. It was sort of, you know, I mean, in retrospect, I might say it was sort of the middle of my journey, but it really was sort of the wake her up or to start this journey and say, sure. what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What is important to you? And at that time, the only thing that was important to me was not having HIV and not dying. And it's interesting now because I can really put it all together and say, wow, you know, my, you know, when I go out and lecture and I, and I talk to people, I, I ask them, I say, what do you think I was feeling at that moment of that needle? 
of that needle stick. And everyone's a fear, everyone. And I have to tell you, that was not the first thing I experienced. Fear did not cross my mind. What did? The thing that crossed my mind was shame. Really? I was ashamed. Yes. Because you, because of carelessness or because of? Because I screwed up. Oh, my. Right? And so I realized that that is such a, a a feeling, an emotion that so many of us cover up. That it must be at the core of a lot of our behaviors and our and our attitudes in life because nobody actually really wants to connect with that feeling. It's a ter- I mean, we can connect with anger and we can connect with grief and we can connect with with fear, but not many people want to connect with shame. And that really is at the core of pretty much all destructive behaviors. So from that moment, destructive behavior affecting somebody else or destructive behavior affecting you, there's going to be shame associated with that. And so being connected to that feeling was really a beginning point for me to start creating change for myself. So that sounds like that was one of those those life-defining moments that we all have. We can trace it back to to that one thing that happens. Well, at that point, was it a gradual course that you took from that point to get to where you are now? Oh, definitely. That was, you know, 1996. And at that time, you know, my major, my major fear on top of that, once the fear started setting in, was I'm going to die alone. You know, I have left, I'm going to, am I going to die? My parents are going to be left with my medical school loans? And that was shameful. But the worst part was the thing that brought me into absolute despair was the notion that I was single at 28 and no one was going to love me now. I'm going to die alone. What is the point of being on this earth without love? And so I realized in that moment that I had to do something else with my life. I did my bargaining. I bargained with God. You know, I wasn't even sure there was one. And I said, you know, listen, and this is where I knew the shame was a teacher. I said, I'll be a better person if you if you save me, as if I was a bad person. I promise I'll do better. I'll promise I'll work harder. I'll promise I'll do something to save the world. And, you know, I'll do it differently, I, I swear. And, of course, I was, you know, gun-shy from doing procedures. So when, when everything did turn out okay, I chose to, you know, not go into a fellowship and to figure out something else. And I went into primary care, and I um, started volunteering with Herb Benson at the Mind Body Medical Institute, learning about stress, learning about meditation, and and mind body medicine, essentially. And so that was sort of what catapulted me to say I need to learn about something else because that year of the needle stick, I call it, was not just the needle stick. I had, you know, my dog died, my grandfather died, my apartment burned down, my father had a heart attack, and it all happened within a four-month period that brought me to my knees, and I became severely depressed and, you know, went through all those things that people talk about that they experience in depression or in illness, and I really got it, and I really didn't want to live, and I really didn't understand why, and I really felt victimized, and I really felt all alone. And it was actually my family and my friends and the love that I received that got me out of it when I said to myself, well, all this time I've been saying, why me? But really, why not me? 
Why not? Excellent. Nature just assumed like the Florence fire burn at the flower bloom. It's got nothing to do with me being good or bad. I got to figure this one out. It just is. I got to figure out why I'm taking this, you know, so personally when there's my life is really, I've got so much ahead of me that I can do. Well, and is so, that, you know, and that's really led me to where it, I am now. Is that really the point? I mean, Eva, right now in your Today's Brilliance, you wrote and talked so eloquently about possibility, about anything is possible. When did you adopt that philosophy? And tell me the story behind why or how you learned that to be true in your own life. Well, I think also what you said is I knew that as a child. You know, I was so hopeful and I was so full of ideas. The problem with, and, and, and that's because, you know, children's hearts are wide open. And the problem is, is that their hearts are wide open, but they don't have much of a brain yet to be wise. And so they have a lot of trials and tribulations that cause them to experience shame and fear and anger and then shut down. And that heart then shuts down, which lets them believe in in that things are impossible rather than possible. And so that experience taught me to open my heart up again, to, 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 to pursue that spiritual journey of love and understand that mechanism of love and meditation and connecting to something larger than myself and connecting to others. It was the experience of opening my heart that when I opened my heart, I believed anything was possible. And when I looked at the science, what is the science of this? We call it the placebo response in medicine, right? When we give somebody sure. a drug and, and versus a sugar pill, and then the sugar pill ends up working. It's the placebo response. But, you know, scientists are measuring the effects of a drug versus actually measuring the effects of a placebo. What's going on is that it's a belief in a positive outcome. The belief in possible actually makes that sugar pill work, Right. And that is actually what happens when we're in a state of love. When our heart is open, we go into that placebo response. We physiologically turn off that stress response. We turn on the uh, mechanisms in our brain that say, yes, this is good. Life is good. It's all going to work out. I'm sure our listeners have experienced that being in love state when you just everything was grand and wonderful and everything was going to turn out okay. And the difference with having an open heart as an adult versus an open heart as a child is that you actually now do have a brain, which means you can both be open and wise, you know, and have some realistic ideas of what's going on and choose to believe that something is possible. You know, the human body is capable of so many amazing things, we can't even figure it out. You know, science is not caught up with that, Western traditions have. And so to be able to be able to mitigate adversity, to get beyond the diagnosis, to get beyond your DNA and really thrive, I've not only done it myself, but I've watched my clients do that. You know, overcome How so exciting. many different things and make things possible. Well, and it's really, again, it's from that open heart, that strong body, you know, and, and in an open and clear mind. This is what we call resilience. You know, resilience is about being able to bounce back from adversity and doing it anyway. Absolutely. You talked earlier about when the needle event or how the needle year, however you paraphrase that. Mm-hmm. At that time, you mentioned shame was your first emotion, and then it went from mm-hmm. shame at some point to fear. So I want to talk mm-hmm. about fear for just a moment because that's a big word for a lot of our community in the emails and the letters we get are things like, I have this dream and I'm afraid. I, I want to believe in possibility. I mean, I, I know that things are possible, but I'm frightened. Mm-hmm. I feel fear when mm-hmm. I think of changing partners, changing jobs, moving to a new city, whatever it happens to be. 
you've gone through these kind of experiences, Eva, and you coach and, and you teach people now through your lectures, your books, and as your patients, how to get through mm-hmm. fear. What have you found that works mm-hmm. the best that you could share with our listeners? Well, you know, I think, you know, it's such a wonderful question because the first thing is that everyone's different and everyone has something that works for them sometimes and doesn't work for them other times. And that's why there's a toolbox, you know, and I think that's what's important to know that there's a variety of ways to work with fear. And the first thing is, is to not say that fear is bad. I would say the first thing is to understand that fear is a necessary emotion. Your body has it as a way of, of letting you know that change is necessary, that you're, something's not aligned with your spirit or your soul or even the position that you're sitting in at the moment. That, that feeling is, there, is necessary to align you with what can be right for you, what can be good for you. And the problem is, is that, that fear is a negative emotion. It's going to be aligned with memory that's nonspecific, of when you felt similarly your entire life. And so it's convoluted and it's mixed up and it's caught up with beliefs and circumstances that occurred when you were younger and you didn't have the resources you have today, which is why it's so important to work on opening the heart and clearing the mind and getting the body stronger so that then you can realize the potential that is available to you. And so it's really Understanding that the fears and emotion is connected to a physiology that's connected to memory, that's connected to behavior and habits that are ongoing that have happened for a lifetime. And the first thing you want to do is just be aware of that and recognize that and then do the self-nurturance that you need to do to calm down that physiology and get that heart open again. And so it's really not about saying to somebody, no, no, you're wrong, don't worry, we're not going there. This isn't about what you're worried about or what you're fearful about. There's probably validity to that fear, right? There's validity. Sure. We don't, we're not fortune tellers here. We're not saying everything's going to be all right. What we want to get to is a point that says, come what may, I can handle it. That's what courage is all about, right? The difference between fear and courage is that courage involves an open heart and a clear mind. Well, right. we're, we're back to love. It isn't about stress not happening, right? Exactly. It's about knowing I can handle it. And that's what takes the fear away is getting into the mindset, I can handle it. I can do this. You know what? So what if I leave this partner and then I end up not finding somebody right away? I've got amazing friends who support me. I've got a rich life. This is about turning our focus into what we can control and what we can have, which is a very, very rich life. I have a very rich life. It's what I have. So there's a lot of different techniques that allow you to get there. But ultimately, each and every one of those is going to help you open your heart, strengthen your body, and clear your mind. Excellent. Well, you're talking again about putting love back in our hearts and back in our midst. It takes me to your quote, which you wrote for Inspire Me Today that says, when we have love in our midst, we are not being fearless, but rather courageous. And I love that. So basically, it's okay to feel fear, but add love to it. Mm-hmm. And somehow you get the courage to step through and keep on keep on going. That's right. And Excellent. Then, and that's what this is about. This isn't about not having fear. This is about not having fear control you. Oh, what a good clarification. Well, you talked a little bit about this type of thing in the love response, your first book. Now I understand you have a second book that has come out since you and I spoke last. And I got to tell you again, I love the name of this book. It's called Your Brain on Nature. Tell us a little bit about that book. 
Well, as, uh, as the love response is, you know, it's a prescriptive book. It's talking about the physiology of love, the physiology of fear, and then how to sort of work through that. The, Your Brain on Nature is not a prescriptive book for the most part. It's really a scientific book. It is telling you what's been going on since industrialization, how as a race, as human species, we've moved away from nature and become nature-deprived, and then what the science is, what is the research out there showing us why nature is so important for us. And, you know, even just 20 minutes a day of, of walking outdoors, of being outdoors, and what those benefits are. So it's really sort of trying to bring our us back as a species, back to understanding how important nature is. It's, you know, it's symbiotic with us. It's who we are. And how far away we've come from it and how important it is for our health. As I mentioned to you earlier, I live in the mountains. I'm looking out right now watching deer in my front yard here in Whitefish, Montana. Last night we had a herd of 10 elk in the front yard just chomping the grass so loudly wow. that my standing on the deck, I could hear them chewing. And it was like that to <laughs> me is just honestly the essence of nature. And then the place up in Glacier where last week we had um, th- two, two, a mama cub and a baby black bear and then a grizzly bear on the same day. And it's like, okay, there are times I feel fear, but it's it's more so when something can eat me, not you know, right. not not from things that are yeah, exactly <laughs> not even when you said sometimes fear responses are appropriate. That's exactly where I went as I smiled when you said that, thinking, yeah, you need to be smart. Fear is a good thing when there's a grizzly bear who's a thousand pounds standing in front of you. That's a good thing. Right, exactly. But and so this is what's important about our brains. This is really interesting that you say this. So. We have, I think the part we've forgotten is that we evolved in nature, living with nature, symbiotic with nature. We lived in the wilderness. Survival of the fittest it, uh, got its name because it was the fittest person that actually got, you know, to the food first. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to run fast and throw hard and, you know, or throw, sure. throw, throw long or squat the longest or lift the most, right? It's the survival of the fittest really got its name because we were out in nature and that's how we hunted and that's how we gathered and that's how we got our food. And, um, and that there's really nothing in nature that's ugly, threatening sometimes because it might eat us, um, but not ugly. Whereas your brain actually perceives a car, for instance, or the concrete jungle as dangerous because it's not soothing. It's not familiar, you know, because as a species, we haven't been along, allow, around long enough for evolution really to have occurred. So we haven't lived in sort of an industrialized way long enough for us to have gotten really physiologically used to it. We might be psychologically used to it, but we're not physiologically attuned to the noises. So there's noise pollution that causes stress. There's, uh, there's smell pollution. And so literally when we go out in nature, as you are living in nature, it's like a drop of morphine being dropped into your brain. It makes, it it makes me smile. It's actually good for you. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Eva, for those that don't live on a mountain in Montana, what steps or practices do you personally do each and every day as part of your regular routine? Or what could you recommend for folks that do live in Los Angeles or Manhattan or London or wherever they happen to be where nature may not be as close as they'd like it to be? How do, they, how do these folks there's, stay on track? There's a lot of different ways, and that's the good news. I mean, if you can, if you have a park to go walk in or water to walk by or, or a garden to garden in, um, you need, you know, 20 minutes is what we're finding 
uh, you know, take a mindful walk. The other good news is we have mirror neurons that have good memory. You can close your eyes and do a meditation, a guided meditation in nature. Your, your mind will take you back into that experience. That works. Having pictures of nature around. Um, having being able to work by a window, we can look out at a green space as opposed to looking at, at you know, a, a wall. Um, your screensaver, having nature screen, uh, nature pictures on your screensaver, bringing plants into the room, using aromatherapy. Um, you know, and, and the big one is, you know, eating, making your own food and getting back to nature in the way you eat. You know, so most people live on the run, they're eating at McDonald's, they're eating fast food, and one way of actually getting away from nature deprivation is to actually bring nature into your home. Try to, you know, shop from your local farmers. Try, try to eat organic if you can. Do a mindfulness exercise while you're eating in that you're sort of bathing all your senses and appreciation of your food and where it comes from and how delicious it is and being connected to where, where that nature is is coming into your nature, sure. right? Connecting our natures together, which is also going to make us more mindful about environment and want to take care of it. So, you know, there's, you know, there's, you don't have to be living out in, in the mountains. If you can get out there, great. You know, try to go out as often as you can and get, get your drop of morphine as often as you can. If you can't, you know, try to grow a garden, have an indoor garden, get more plants, get more pictures of nature, uh, meditate about nature, eat nature, so, you know, all the, and all the studies show that all, all of that's beneficial, that you'll have less fatigue, you'll have less stress, um, you're less likely to be anxious or depressed, you know, children do better in school. Uh, you know, there's just a myriad of research showing the benefits of just these little activities. I can't, can I can't life. wait to read the book. And I'm sure there are others in the listening audience right now who are saying the same thing. So don't worry uh, to our community. You guys know this by now. Just come on back to inspiremetoday.com. Go to the search box and you can put in Dr. Eva. She's our only Dr. Eva. Last name is Selhub, S-E-L-H-U-B. But you could just put in Dr. Eva and it will pull up her today's brilliance, which you got to read. It's, it's amazing. It's all about anything is possible. But in addition to that, we'll make sure we have the links there to her first book, The Love Response, her, the second book, Your Brain on Nature, the one we're just talking about now. And then, Eva, what's next? Tell us the book that you're working on now. Well, the, the book, I'm, I'm, this is my, I'm really excited about this book. Um, I'm actually working with Harper One right now, and it's hopefully will be out um, by April of 2015, and that's uh, really exciting book. It's and like it's basically what we started talking about, which is believing in possible, in, in the possibility of of uh, what you can manifest and what you can create. And this is about your health. It's understanding that you have the power to change the destiny of your health, which is basically what I do in my coaching. It's coaching people spiritually, physically, emotionally to be able to move beyond limiting beliefs and paradigms, as well as you know, what you've been told your diagnosis is, and to change that into understanding that at most things are changeable and that you have the power to change your life, change your attitude, change your beliefs, and ultimately that will change your physiology for the better. And so that's what this book is about. It's combining my knowledge in allopathic and Western medicine as well as my, you know, a 
long history and belief and work with the wisdom traditions, so I sort of merged them together with the different practices that I've done. It's basically, like I said, what I do with my clients, but it's going to be in a book so that you don't have to be my client (laughs) to be able to benefit. You can just have millions of clients instead of less than that. That's excellent. Exactly. Well, again, and this book will be coming out in 2015? That's the hope. That's the goal. That's where, that's our deadline. <laughs> our deadline is to get it in by July, so it can be out by April 2015. Terrific. Well, hurry up and write the book. Many of us are waiting for it. How's that? A little incentive for you yeah. there. <laughs> well, it's already written. It's just being edited. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so Excellent. It's been written. That's why I'm so excited about it. It was. I had, you know, for me, every book that I write is a, is a personal journey. Um, and you, you know, usually about something that I've had to work on, or I've grown, or I've learned, and and so for me, this book has just been such a huge and wonderful experience of stepping into my own health and understanding that, you know, I could actually feel good. You know, I could feel really, really good. I could feel better. That it wasn't just opening the heart, which I started out with with the love response, um, but that it was actually being really fully and completely connected to the my physical beingness, to the nutrition, to the exercise, to the people. Um, you know, so it's all of it. It's spirituality. It's, you know, your social life. It's what you put in your body, who you surround yourself with, what, you're, what you have in your body, including your beliefs. All of these things affect your viability and your vitality, and everything can be, you know, worked with. Outstanding. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to have to read Your Brain on Nature first, and then the next one when it comes out, when it is so named and when it is released. Please keep us posted here at Inspire Me Today so we can let the community know as well. So that's something for us to look forward to in April of 2015. Well, Dr. Eva, I am very grateful for the insights that you've shared with our listeners already. If you were to summarize your greatest wisdom, what have you learned so far that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? I think that what I would encourage everybody to do is, is to believe. You know, I think that this idea of believing in possible, it's, it's don't, don't put aside your dreams. Have them. It's, it's an understanding that you're allowed to have dreams and you're allowed to have desires. Not to focus on saying, those, if those dreams come true and if those, if those desires are fulfilled, then that will make me valuable. But it's to understand that because you're valuable, you get to have dreams and desires. And I oh, think that's I one like of the that. big things that I've learned. I saw, I always used to think, you know, well, I, I have this gift, and why am I not getting a chance to share it so much? And I always used to think that if my dreams came true and if my desires were fulfilled, that would mean I was valued. And the truth of the matter is, is that's because you are valued that you've been then given the chance to dream and given the chance to have desire. I and like so that. And so it's understanding that you are valued to begin with and then dream and then desire. Don't, don't wait to feel valued for your dreams, your desires to come through. Outstanding. Every little part of me is going, yes, yes, yes. I mean, really, that's just, that's amazing. It's, it, I love the juxtaposition of how you said that. Because you are valued, dreams come true. That's it. I love it. That's right. Excellent. Well, that's I know right. you've had a lot of yours come true already, but if you had just one more thing that you could accomplish or experience in your lifetime, Eva, what would it be? 
Um, I actually would love to be able to, which is, you know, hopefully going to be manifested by next year, is really to be able to reach millions. You know, and that was sort of my conversation with God when I came up with what I said just now was, you know, I said, you know, my dream is to be able to affect millions. Make it happen already. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can really help so many people. And, um, you know, and I thought, but then I said, well, gosh, it's because I am valued that I have this, you know, this gift to be able to help so many people. And isn't that grand? You know, and all the fears associated with one if, with with what if kind of fell away. And so that's, you know, a dream, a dream that I still hold is this notion of working with other people to help other people, because that's so much fun. You know, the funness of being involved with other like-minded people and loving and being and playing, and as a result of all that love and play and being is that we actually help a lot of other people. How exciting. I mean, how does it get any better than that? I don't think it does. Yeah, well, we're all having fun. We're all helping one another, and we're all fulfilling our own dreams. That's pretty exciting. Well, again, Dr. Yeah. Eva, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to share or add in closing? Um, no, I think we covered it all. And, you know, people are, I always um, tell people that they're welcome to uh, contact me, email me, go to my website, find me on Facebook. Um, I love to hear from people, love to hear, you know, how they're doing and whether or not they've enjoyed uh, reading a book or doing one of my online programs or, or something of that nature. So, you know, keep in touch with me. Excellent. We'll make sure we put all those links directly on your profile page as well so that people can stay in touch with you. And again, Dr. Eva, thank you so very much for taking the time. I can't wait to go download Your Brain on Nature onto my Kindle. Take it with me on the little holiday I'm going to be taking next week. And uh, it'll be good boat reading. So thank you for that. And again, you can find out more about Dr. Eva Selhub just by going back to inspiremetoday.com. Click on the search box, put in Dr. Eva, and there you'll find all the links, her bio, her amazing Today's Brilliance, and all kinds of other things about Dr. Eva. So thank you again. And to our listeners, you're most welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. We wouldn't be here without the love and support of all of you, and we greatly appreciate it. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you will realize you've had wings all along. We're here for you. We love you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by. It's your dream. It's your sky.